0: Hello, welcome to uh, Skill Check, the uh, gaming uh, well-being podcast from YMCA Exeter. My name is Andy and uh, here with me on Zoom we have Zach. You right, Zach?
1: Hello, Andy. Yes, I am well. It's a nice day outside. And I'm just excited to talk about gaming.
0: Excellent, excellent. Yeah, lovely day. Um, And yet, gaming news-wise, it's been interesting this week, hasn't it? Um, With the epic... uh, Well, I was going to say the epic... The epic epic. Court case, but it's actually turned quite epic in itself, isn't it?
1: Yeah, we have definitely been treated to a behind-the-scenes blow-by-blow of the gaming industry that is, by... Kind of its own creation, very secretive. Um, the nature of gaming is that game development companies don't want other companies to know what they're doing, what they're releasing. It's very competitive, and actually, this has given us a really great look behind the scenes of of that you know things that go on that we don't we're not always told about as consumers.
0: And that brings us on to uh, what have we been playing. Uh, Zach, what have you been up to the last uh, well wow. yeah the last week or two in the video game
1: world? Yeah, so so in the midst of um the, the drama that is gaming at the moment, uh, I have sought solace in a game that I bought when it first came out and then put down and haven't really looked at since, which is Assassin Creed Assassin's Creed of Valhalla. Mm. Um, that was big when big it came out massively yeah, and it was huge, and, and I and I personally bigged it up uh, as, like, this really cool setting, I like the setting, I like the new, kind of, revamped Assassin's Creed formula is quite cool, the combat system is really cool, um, but for, for whatever reason, I think another game came out, and it just grabbed me more, uh, but mm-hmm. I've been meaning to go back for it, and I actually, like, I am enjoying playing it, and I, and I am committed to, kind of, seeing it through this time, and, and, and kind of, it's been nice to, kind of, It looks gorgeous. Like they, they, the like going from a snowy Norwegian Viking town all the way to like verdant green, lush English countryside is just a joy to behold. In the graphics engine that they used, I think they used Unreal Engine Four. It just looks so nice. Like it just, you just want to stop and stand and look around. I don't want to do any of the stuff. I just want to look. You know, it's it's like you say when you you mentioned, like, just riding the horse around in Zelda Breath of the Wild and, like, just looking around and looking at what is in there. Like, this game does that really well. Like, just getting on a horse, riding into into the horizon and stopping and looking around and, like, seeing like, you know, you might have ridden out of a forest to the top of a hill. Now you can see, like, rivers and, like, it's just, it's a a really good-looking game. Um, And then put into the fact that, you know, you're playing a Viking and you're trying to take over england essentially and go on raiding go raiding as a viking and like all that kind of viking-esque stuff um the setting's cool the story hasn't quite grabbed me yet but i'm still really early so it's a huge Mm. game and so while i've put in about 20 hours i'm really only like the first area so the story hasn't really got going yet um but but i can see i can see how they're going to build on this narrative of like You've, you've left Norway. You're trying to find a piece of the world for yourself. And that has taken you to England. And then you set, you're set you going to basically settle there and build a Viking community. And that's kind of like where you start. And I've just been enjoying kind of a solo game that's not like online or there's yeah. not like a multiplayer online component to it. I was, I'm just kind of enjoying taking it at my own pace and going where I want to and seeing what I want to see. Um, so I think a lot of the last the past few games I've played have had like an online component or been competitive in some way, and it's nice to just mm. cleanse the palate with a solo-driven story adventure type game. Just it sounds kind of...
0: huge, but there's also quite an experience
1: behind it. Yeah, it is. It, My I imagine it's going to be hundreds of hours worth nice. of playing, and so I'm in no rush to kind of, um, yeah, to complete it. I'm just in. I'm just taking it in and enjoying the journey. Um, and it's just, it's a joy to behold. It just looks fantastic. Um, which which is just, for the type of game that it is, which is a very open world exploration type game, you want the game world to look fantastic and to be interesting to explore. And it definitely has captured that. Uh, so I've been really, really, really enjoying that. Nice.
0: I've uh, probably gone down two completely different avenues. Um One is a slightly more surreally terrifying avenue of uh, Resident Evil Biohazard, uh, which is now, well, which is now available on a Google Stadia Pro. And my days, you know, my experience of Resident Evil is very much PS2, Resident Evil 3 Nemesis, slightly blocky graphics, once you get used to, you know, the monster bursting out and trying to, you know, beat you um, after a while, you, you're kind of used to that. Gra- the, the graphics in Biohazard, they are beautiful on one hand. On the other hand, it's... Oh, it's a little bit creepy compared to, you know, back in the... Uh, uh, Resident Evil three days. It's good. But my word. Uh, yeah. It's not a game to play around little children. Let's just put it that way.
1: Yeah, there was there's something about the old school kind of corridor pixely, I'm made out of cubes, resident evil thing, zombies are running at me, I'm just gonna shoot them until they're all dead, versus realistic putting you first person inside Mm. someone who is in a very believable situation like they've they've really gone they've reeled back in this fantastical virus is happening it's it's not really plausible in the real world situation to the yeah the most recent resident well a new one came out yes yes today actually a new one comes out today so so um biohazard is the one before this and it puts you in a situation which is believable as a person it could definitely happen yeah, The, you know, the your way they wife the kind of you go and find your wife. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And I'll yeah. stop there.
1: Um, yeah, and and for those of you wanting the the best experience of it, uh, it's available in VR, and I've heard it's very terrifying. Because <laughs> um, it's ultimately a house exploration setting, like Resident Evil, do really well. They give you mm. a big house or a big mansion or a big kind of open but closed environment they're really good at that mm-hmm. like they it, it feels open but essentially it's a very closed environment because it needs to be in the way that they script their moments of horror <laughs> um they need to they need to know that every player will go down this route so they can place something between you and the goal that is there to Which surprise you, to shock you, you jump
0: and make you want yeah. to cry inside and
1: but it really, really cool. works with the newest ones. It really works. Going room to room, like not trying to uncover clues, a bit mm. of like murder mystery type element to it within like the sheer horror of the characters you run into and their motivations for doing what they're doing versus yours. Um, it. I've watched people play through the game and it is, I, I'm not even playing it. It is terrifying. It. I could not play it. I would be too scared. I'll tell you what, there is... Uh... I'm fairly certain
0: there's a demo for Resident Evil 8 on a uh, Stadia. I might give that a go. I might, and if I do, I will report back next week.
1: That'd be good to hear. Like, we because I've watched a little bit on Twitch mm-hmm. of like people playing the newest one. They think they got a, some streamers has got an early release yesterday. So I managed to drop in and watch it, and people are saying that it's not biohazard. Is just scary for scary sake. It is a petrifying experience, and the tension mm. that they build in it is really cool. Like it does harken back to like old Resident Evil games. This newest one doesn't have the same kind of impending doom type feeling. Yeah, and it's more kind of adventurous, but not less scary. Okay, <laughs> like they've they've kind of gone a little bit of a different angle with it. So you don't feel like the characters. There's usually a big bad that kind of could pop up at any moment and terrify you, which is what Resident mm. Evil does with like thinking really back wild. to kind of yeah the other games where there would be that that character that would just chase you through the entire game
0: yeah, um,
1: they've they've moved they've moved oh, a little gosh. bit away from that with 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 this one there is a big bad but it's you're almost not okay rather than being terrified when they appear you're hmm. kind of going in with like a oh it's cool to see them again type. So, okay, but that doesn't mean that the in between times aren't petrifying and totally <laughs> scary, and the setting is creepy and weird, and you don't mm-hmm. quite know what's going on. Um, so it's it's slightly like different feeling, but ultimately people are saying that actually it's like it's, it's still very very good. Um, and one more yeah. game that I really are into recently, we'll talk about it
0: really briefly, because we talked about it a few times before, Stardew Valley. I say we've talked about it. You've talked about it. I've finally caught up. I was in a place where I kind of needed to... Yeah, not sit at a desk, not play on a PC, not use a keyboard. And I also wanted a game that wasn't particularly challenging. Didn't... Yeah, just a game that I felt was peaceful and nice and... Yeah, Stardew Valley. Lovely game. I've got a nice little farm. Well, I say nice. I mean, all I'm going to say about it is if you haven't played it, you should. It's that good. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Cool. So that is our games for this week. We We talked earlier about an epic trial for, for the video game industry. Mm. Tell us more about this epic trial. Is it epic? So, or is it more Apple-like? Is it
1: e- an, e- an epic epic versus Apple trial? <laughs> the the big the biggest takeaway from it is that ultimately, Epic are using this as a way of. Uh, they initiated this not because they feel like they're going to beat Apple, but because they thought it'd be a great publicity stunt. I imagine um, the guys over at but Fortnite what is it know what they're doing. That,
0: but what is it that Epic are saying again?
1: Epic is saying that Apple shouldn't gatekeep delivery, games delivery on their devices and that in doing so, they're creating an ecosystem which is good for them but not good for game developers. The split between revenue with what a game developer gets and what Apple take away is unfair. And that by only giving one option, they're forcing everyone to, to that puts a game on there to adhere to their split. When Epic would like to give more money to developers than Apple currently allow on iOS. In a nutshell, that's what it is.
0: So Epic are trying to present themselves as the good guys. The good guys. Yep. Epic are saying that Apple are taking too much money.
1: Yep. What has it what's been the latest twist? Well what and I don't know how people weren't expecting this but no one was expecting it um it turns out that um, they've obviously called different witnesses and asked different game development companies to come on and comment uh, epic have uh, which has led to some surprising revelations about some some behind the scenes game world information that us as gamers and consumers don't normally get to see or to understand and one of these has been that, um, one of the people/slash organizations/slash witnesses they called was Microsoft, and so mm-hmm. they've been given ev- they gave evidence yesterday, and it turns out um, to not shock, but an interesting kind of understanding of what gaming is essentially as a business point of view that Microsoft have never made a profit on any of the consoles that they've done ever. So let, let's let's just let that sink in for, for a moment. And how much does Xbox cost? So an Xbox Series X, the latest console, the best one that you can get costs about £500. And they don't make a profit. And, and they do not make a profit on that. So the, the, the components and the cost of building that console, putting it together, shipping it out to wherever it is in the world, that still doesn't make them a profit at that price point, which is both interesting <laughs> as a consumer, that we're getting a good deal on what we're being given as for the web. Although it's expensive as a console, what we are getting is value for money, Mm. um, which then shows that the money in gaming is not in the delivery platform itself, but in what they put on it. So Microsoft then pointed to Game Pass and Xbox Live as the things that generate obscene amounts of income that compensate them for their losses in hardware um software is where the money is not the hardware and that's probably the same for i imagine well not everyone because we're going to get that on time in a minute with what andy (laughs) is bringing to the table today for for xbox and microsoft at least they they're not putting the xbox out because they're making a profit on the consoles they're putting it out because it's a great way of delivering software the ability for people to buy their software which is where they make the most money um and gaming is eccentric to that um uh, and and actually, like if you're thinking about it from a Microsoft point of view, obviously they then have PC as well. So mm. their ecosystem is slightly larger, they're less dependent on one the console's making money because their revenue streams are so varied and diverse as a as a company um, that they can do that and allow for that. Whether it's just looking at the Xbox infrastructure or whether you think wider to like to, to their PC, like obviously Windows is the operating system that most PCs use, gaming PCs use. Um, and so they're capacity for earning through gaming is much more diverse than just the xbox so so they're less bothered about the xbox making a profit they're just more bothered about people being able to access more ways to buy the games and the and subscribe to the live services that have become a thing more recently
0: yeah yeah i think it's in the forbes article i found about this where I think Epic try and make a point that it's okay for Microsoft to do this because of that they're not making profit off their consoles compared to Apple who, well let's face it an Apple iPhone costs
1: more than 500 quid new. Yeah, when when it costs them a fraction of that to make the iPhone itself, right? But...
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm not an expert in legalities. I'm not really sure though if that really does hold water in court. You know, if it's like, yeah, it's surely it's okay for if it's okay for one company, then it's got to be okay for another company and their background. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Are almost different. Epic is kind of picking and choosing what to have problems with. Mm. And Apple make a good point that whilst you're, they're right, that the PC ecosystem is um, fairer and allows for a better ecosystem, better share for developers, because there's competition between different delivery platforms. Um, Microsoft also, also own Xbox. Xbox has a, Xbox and consoles in general have closed ecosystems. And the, and the Apple are saying that theirs is a closed ecosystem. And it always has been. <laughs> like this idea that Apple only works with Apple. <laughs> like yeah. the app store, like it, it's not a surprise to anyone. They've created their own ecosystem, and they're saying that that's what it's more akin to—that they're more like a console delivery platform that is closed ecosystem to the people that own it mm. than PC, which obviously has a, the big diverse breadth of kind of things going on that are different deals and splits being made. Because ultimately, they're saying a PC is a bridge to the to the internet, which is an online community, which is for like vast, whereas console and iOS is a small mm. closed network that is available to the people that have bought the specific thing that they're using to engage with it. Totally. So they kind of shot Epic and Epic kind of shot themselves in the foot making the argument they made because they let Apple re- return fire with this argument that actually like, well, we, from Apple's point of view, they understand maybe very differently different into it than Microsoft does in that they've created a closed ecosystem and that's what they wanted from the start mm. rather than like, um, so should Epic even really if they want their app to be available on iOS, then they have to adhere to the closed ecosystem that Apple have created. But again, I don't think this was about Epic thinking they could beat Apple. This was a way of Epic being in everyone's mouths and lips and thoughts and minds and brains. You imagine, you just think about how much money they're printing because everyone's thinking about Epic Games and then going on and thinking, oh, well, what, what, you know, they've probably had more downloads of kind of their game launcher, They've probably had more people playing Fortnite. They've probably had more people playing paying for V books and in-game currency. This is about keeping they, Epic want people to be talking about Epic and thinking about Epic and eating, yeah. breathing, sleeping Epic.
0: They are very much in the industry news, aren't they? And it's not just kind of the more niche part of industry news. They've managed to get this mentioned on like the more Nintendo Switch esque. News as well because Epic are everywhere have basically turned around and said, Well, we want to be on iPhone because you can play Fortnite on the iPhone wherever you are because of that internet connection. Yes, you can play Fortnite on the Switch, but you need to be at home or in reach of a Wi Fi connection yeah. you've got access to in order to do so. You're not going to see someone playing Fortnite. On a switch on the bus without some sort of, yeah, mobile, elaborate mobile mode setup. and setup. Yeah, 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 it's just this not going to happen.
1: An, and another reason why Epic might have been more inclined to push back a little bit on this is because, make no mistake, the mobile gaming ecosystem is the biggest revenue stream for gaming at the moment, it grows faster than any other. There are more mobile phones than there are games, consoles, and PCs. Uh, just this first quarter, uh, mobile gaming made tens of billions more money in revenue in this first quarter than, than gaming on PC and gaming on console. Like, mobile gaming makes the other gaming look n- like, why would you even bring out a console when you could just put an app out? It is so much there's so much more money in 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 mobile gaming which is why then epic really wants their games to be available on the biggest mobile phone provider in the world which is apple yeah
0: yeah i guess one last i don't want to linger on this point at all because i think we could probably spend at least an hour talking about it and we should probably leave it to people cleverer than ourselves as well but this does seem to have a feel of if apple is a closed system and they are quite i'm gonna say precious precious about gatekeeping it i don't mean precious with the kind of negative connotations of what i just said at all um but it's important to them but you've also got apple who recently have made uh privacy updates to their phones uh, to stop uh, apps kind of tracking behavior on other apps and other websites and things like that. This does start to have the feel of if you've got enough money for an iPhone, you've got enough money for privacy, and you've got enough money for people to take that little bit more care about what software you can put on your phones and things like that. So, yeah, just gonna. Kind of, Put that out there, I think. And yeah. Mm. It's maybe a topic yeah, for another very, day.
1: Started a lot of very interesting conversations. Um, mm. yeah, but but having already thought about the fact, the mind-boggling fact that Xbox make Microsoft and Xbox make no money on Xbox consoles, this mm. t- this swings really nicely into the article you brought to our attention this week, which is about Nintendo's recent Nintendo earnings to do with okay. their consoles.
0: And they are rolling in it um i i yeah i've lost the numbers to hand <laughs> but basically it, it's out there if 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 people want to kind of have a nose around um there's been a few articles released recently looking at uh, the current state of nintendo's finances and they are basically laughing um how long ago was the Wii
1: released? Fifteen years? Ooh. Yeah, something like that. It's because it's, it's, it's a because they had the, the the Wii U and that didn't quite work out. And that was a little yeah. bit before the switch. So you're probably talking about yeah, 10, 15 years. Can and
0: you... that seemed to be massive, and lots of families had one. Heck, I think I've gone through two, you know. Second one being very second hand, just for a record. And but my point being that, you know, everyone seems to have a Nintendo Wii yeah. and it's looking like Nintendo going back to that sort of heyday of having really good, slightly random, um, sounding, random looking but very family friendly consoles. And they are loving it, and it doesn't look like it's going to slow down anytime soon.
1: I mean, no, and and, and the just the idea that we're talking Pro about is a
0: monthly event,
1: yeah, and 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 the, the idea that the Switch is already catching up to numbers associated with the, the Wii U, which was had been out for a long time. By the they, by, the point that the Wii U was making those numbers, it had been out for many many years. Mm. Let's not forget the Switch is in its infancy in terms of like how long it's been out. And yeah. couple couple that with the fact that they will almost definitely make some upgraded iteration of it, and the fact that Switch Lite is being pushed more than ever as like a reasonable, affordable option, um, and that wasn't available from the start either. Um, it, it it looks like it's going to grow strength to strength because ultimately the Switch Lite really does corner the mobile gaming thing. Like if you mm. want if you want a handheld gaming system, you get a Switch Lite. Yeah. Like you just do. Like there's there's nothing else out there. Um and 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 what the article did a really good point of saying is that it works in double because then you've got access to a whole suite of games you can't get anywhere else. Yeah. Mario Kart for instance. Mario, Mario Kart 8 is the best selling game for them and it has sold so many copies. Um and cause Nintendo do a thing like Apple do, which is like a closed ecosystem. You can only get Nintendo products on Nintendo on Nintendo devices and they never. Sell them cheap. You, mm. you want the Nintendo Mario Kart will be the same price it has always has been and always will be forever and ever and ever. If you want Mario Kart eight for the Switch, you pay the price. Mm. And because they don't negotiate on that often. It doesn't. They don't go on sale often. And if they do, it's not a huge sale. Mm. They make so much money from it because they know that fans will pay for it. So at this mm. point, you've got a, con- yes, they've so got a you console. That you've made a profit on. Yeah, and then they've bought Mario Kart, which you know you're making money on because it's software um they they yeah i was i was i was i was taken back by how much their old games do well mm. like the, the article goes in and talks about like they do better on re-releasing their old games than they do new ones yeah
0: Mary free oh, world massive game from mario
1: and bowser's kingdom yeah, like that just came out. You were talking about that. You got it straight away as a fan of Mario. Like, yeah, the the one that got sunsetted, where it brought Mario Sunshine, the collection.
0: Yeah, that, that brought that...
1: like that sold really well.
0: Argue that was partly due to how it was marketed as a, like a six month only thing, yeah. but my yeah. days but did they...
1: we all fall for it? Yeah, because they've not they've not incurred cost making those games. They've already made them. Mm. They're just letting you buy them again and. Because you can't get them anywhere else, and you may have missed that out on that. You may have missed, you may be wanting to go back and play them again, or you missed out the first time around. Th- their, their, their cost is low, and their profits are just skyrocketing. It's yeah. huge. Um, which then is just such a contrast to, to where Xbox and Microsoft expect consoles to make a loss when Nintendo have created this ecosystem in which. That they're just thriving, that they will make a profit on the console, on the Switch it's already breaking records and it will continue mm. to do so, and I imagine that the emergence of a Nintendo Switch Pro will only double down on that effort um,
0: so, in some which is way, crazy if you want to make a profit in computer game world, I guess the family um, audience is what to aim for
1: Yeah, and then if if you really want to do well, um, China and Japan love our good handheld console. Yeah, they love portable gaming, and if you can get it right, you're set because everyone will buy one. Because gaming is a much more social, move around thing in China and Japan. Like it's it's about socialising with your friends. It's about going out, meeting up in gaming cafes, sitting around playing the Switch together. Mm. But that's what that's their gaming culture out there like it's a much more sultry thing in the west but in in the east it's a sociable thing you do it together with other people and the switch nails that like sitting around playing monster hunter together in a in an internet cafe a gaming cafe where you can use their internet and join up and go on hunts together that's a huge thing and if you can monopolize that in any way then you're going to do well in those countries and nintendo keep doing it keep making their platforms really sociable social orientated family orientated They want it to be a shared experience and that works really well and no one else does it.
0: If there's any friendly sponsors out there who would like to send us to China or Japan to a gaming cafe, please feel free to get in touch.
1: Absolutely. Like, yeah, it'd be such an interesting video series we could put together about going out and (laughs) seeing what what the rest of the world is like. Like It's so different from what we do over here. Um, So, yeah, that's... It's just been a, a really interesting week in the gaming world, generally. Um, we're getting a look into things we, we don't normally get looked into because legal documentation and requests and subpoenas and other things don't normally happen in this world. They, they tend not to interfere with each other in the understanding that, that if you don't interfere with us, we won't interfere with you. Mm. Um, that seems to be... Mm, I could seem to not care game. about that as much. Okay. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, it's just staggering what money can do because ultimately Epic are the only ones that really have the bank balance to pull something like this off, essentially to be able to compete with some, a company as big as Apple to get them in court in the first place. Uh, yeah, it's, it's the mind boggles really. <laughs> well, that has brought us to the end of this week's episode of Skill Check. The podcast from YMC Exeter. Uh, I have been Zach, he's been Andy and as always you can find this podcast on all good podcast platform providers and if you want to get in contact with us or reach out to us in any way regarding the podcast please use the email address response at ymceexeter.org.uk um, we pick those up and read them and check in on them regularly so if you want to get in contact with us you can do there. If you prefer other regular ways of contacting us you can find us also at ymceexeter.org.uk that's our website on the homepage, you can find a link to our podcast. And if you go to the staff page, you can also find information to contact us in other ways. Um, we're also around on social media. So if you uh, check out at YMCA Exeter on uh, Twitter, uh, Instagram, and places like that, you'll also find a wealth of information and social media presence there. This has been uh, Skill Check once again, and we look forward to seeing you all next week.